Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the bready voice of your local announcer, Tom Fitzmorris, here in the studios of WWL Radio. Time now for the food show. Every day we get in here and we talk about what's been eating you and what you've been eating or, or drinking or anything like that. This being the city that it is, America's best eating city. We get started on this uh, pretty easily every day, and it's nice to be here again. And uh, once we start poking into the end of the uh, the hour or whatever it is, uh, I get to slip in here and uh, say a few things about this and that. Uh, our telephone number is 260-6368, 260-6368, and Mary Ann is here. Hi. Hi. We have Grayson Gill here, too. Grayson Gill. That almost sounds like a guy who's uh, the best-looking clothes uh, that's ever been used in a person. Yeah. That's what it sounds like, anyway. Yes, except that he's probably got it covered in flour all the time. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Grayson, are you there? That, that could. Grayson, yeah, do we have uh, a visit from you? Grayson, hello, hello. How y'all doing? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah, we we'll, did or we did. Grayson, call us back, would you? <laughs> oh, Doug, so funny. Did it, did it, he goes, I don't know. Anyway, we're waiting for Grayson Gill, who is the owner and yeah, founder of Belgard Bakery. Belgard Bakery, that rings a bell. Which, to my mind, could maybe be, or I would declare it my own self, to me, my opinion, to my taste. Maybe the best bread out there. Okay, and uh, he uh, arrived just in time. Yes. So it's uh, Grayson. Grayson, welcome to the food show. Hi, how are you? Is he there? Yeah, I could have sworn he was just a second ago. Um, <laughs> Grayson? Hmm. Don't go um, away, Grayson. What? I can't um, tell yes. It's, it's Grayson here. Hi. Grayson, well, welcome yes. to our show. Come on in. Thank you. Are you staying? Because we weren't sure. He's been dropping off and on, so you're here now. I'm here. Okay, good. Oh, good. Uh, you know, I've said this uh, many times before. Um, I'm going to just say it to you. I don't think that – I think only your mother is a bigger fan than me. Well, thank of you. Your bread. I'm crazy about your bread. Thank you so, so much. Yes. What? All right. So, you were on once before, and you made me realize that maybe there is something to the gluten-free thing. Because up to that point, I was a gluten skeptic. And um, and when you said, I think, and this is probably incorrectly quoted, but you said something like, uh, "Your heirloom wheat has twenty three chromosomes and the ones that are used in regular processed bread is something like 2300 i know that's incorrect but fill us in on that 
Well, the, the the whole thing with gluten-free for, you know, it's, it's important to realize that there's some people which it's a, called a celiac, so I'm right. sure maybe a few people have heard that name. So anyone that has celiac disease cannot be anywhere near, you know, a bakery or pasta or eat cookies or anything. So those people are obviously exempt from talking about any sort of gluten allergy because that's it's uh, something they can't be in any contact with. But people that choose to have a gluten allergy, whether it's real or imagined, they're, in my opinion, they're they're reacting to the way the bread is made, and then most importantly to how the flour that goes into that bread is made. So um, it's not necessarily the the type of wheat that you're using, and it's not even the flour per se, but it's about how that how that wheat is being grown on the farm, and most importantly how it's being made in a bread in the bakery. So unfortunately, whether it's uh, New Orleans or whether it's New York or Los Angeles or Seattle, the past hundred years, the type of bread that we've been eating in America has changed quite a bit. And it, the processing on that bread to make that bread is what, in my opinion, has been making people sick. Um, yeah. So at our bakery, we use flour that we mill ourselves. And then most importantly, we use sourdough starter, which not only flavors the bread, but also makes it more digestible and more healthy for people too. So you can you can make it any way that you want, and traditionally the way the bread has been made for thousands of years has always been with sourdough starters. So it's the more recent um, varieties or styles of bread like French bread or po' boy bread or Wonder Bread that have not been fermented. So bread, just like wine or like beer, is meant to be a fermented food, and because all of these recipes for these breads have become industrialized with po' boy bread, French bread, Wonder Bread, etc., we're no longer fermenting the bread. We're basically adding a bunch of yeast and we're sweating it in super hot boxes and then we're baking it as opposed to letting it ferment for two hours, four hours, six hours, or in our case, 18 to 24 hours overnight. So it's really that that method of bread baking, which is allowing the gluten in the wheat to be more digestible and more healthy for people that otherwise would maybe have an allergy to it. Hmm. Well, a lot of people talk about this, whether it's true for them or not. Uh, it's fascinating, though. It, it is fascinating. Yeah. What, what what drove your your passion for this? I'd say the the biggest thing for me, uh, just to kind of keep it keep it within a few paragraphs, is that I was you know I've been baking, uh, I've been working in food since I was fifteen. I'm I'm thirty two now, and then I started baking bread when I was uh, twenty twenty one years old on Royal Street. And um, I, it, it, it's like it's like again the analogy would the easy one would be wine. The there's really only one or two ingredients in bread. Um, there are two ingredients: it's flour and water. In wine, it just happens to be one ingredient: it's grapes. But um, we're not talking about a complex dish like an omelet or um, you know a gumbo. When you're talking about a loaf of bread, you're talking about very 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 minimal ingredients and very very minimal processing. So. The more that I started baking and the more that I was exposed to baking and the more that I committed my life to baking, the more I realized that I was neglecting the ingredients, which are flour and water. And there's kind of only so much you can do with water um, when it comes to baking bread. You can get spring water. You can use the tap water. But really, if you want to focus on flavor and nutrition and aesthetic and, and performance and all that other stuff, you need to be focusing on the flour. Um, so I, I went down a rabbit hole that became, um, at first it was relatively narrow and relatively shallow, and then it's become about a mile wide and a mile deep um, the past seven years since opening the bakery to the point where I couldn't find the flour that I wanted to bake with, so I decided that we would make our own flour at the bakery. And it's gotten to How the do you point do that? Now, 
Um, Can you? Uh, I know it's complicated, but uh, give us a, a rundown of, of how this is made. This very special bread that you have. Uh, pointed so we uh, on a on a busy week, we're milling about four thousand pounds of flour a week. Uh, we oh, use goodness. the majority of that, and the the way that that's done is on a stone mill. And a stone mill is um, the technology is about ten thousand years old, and it's two huge pieces of granite. About two huge pieces of granite that sit on top of each other, and you put the grain, whether that's corn or wheat or durum or whatever you want to mill, in between the two stones, and one of the stones is turning on top of the other one, which is not moving, and the the grain is ground in between the two stones, and and out the front comes flour. So we mill, uh, as I said, about 4,000 pounds of flour a week, a little bit less, a little bit more, depending on the season, and then we use the majority of that here in the bakery, but we also sell some to local restaurants and other bakeries as well, too. That must uh, keep you busy uh, with all of the restaurants that we have now and all of the all of the uh, flour and everything that they're sending through there. Is this kind of a, it's an avocation for you for sure, but when did it cross over from something you were doing to something that you were kind of obsessed with? I would say the the first time that I I baked a loaf of bread, I, I definitely became obsessed with it, and um, on on many different levels. But it's for me, it's kind of primal, that, isn't it? Yeah, on 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 the most important levels, I think for me, it's it's a it's a really beautiful kind of relationship between your hands and your head. So you have to use your head, and you need to you know take take time to plan out what you're doing and 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 take your time while you're doing it but also as you said it's it's very physical it's very primal it's very tactile and i found that 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 kind of wedding between those two sensations was something that was um i mean addictive and just something very yeah. beautiful as well too and um i i say everyone that it says never, it's an never, addictive never, thing never really grew in its in its passion and it never really diminished. I think from from day one when I started doing it, it's something that I haven't ever walked away from, and I, I can't envision never walking away from it now. Well, I can't imagine that you could walk away from it now because you've been sort of like an international ambassador, aren't you? Yeah, we're doing we're doing our best. I, I think the audience outside of New Orleans is definitely a little bit more interested and thirsty for some of the things behind uh, the screen and the image in terms of what's beneath the iceberg because everybody loves to eat well here in New Orleans, but we definitely like to talk about some of the more important critical things that go into our food and the people that go into making our food as well, too. So I um, traveled to Australia in October to give a keynote presentation at a, at a baking and milling conference there and uh, do a decent amount of work in Europe and then also throughout the country as well, too. And I'm working on putting together some programming for some, some, some local events here surrounding um, you know, ingredients and farmers and food policy and things like that as well, too, because I think there's a there's a thirst and there's a hunger for some more stories to be told about not just the food in New Orleans, but I think the people that make it. And I think that's something that all of us are culpable and neglecting every now and then is uh, focusing so much on the restaurants and on the chefs and on the families that own the restaurants. But talking more about the people that make that food and that cuisine and those restaurants possible is is something that really provokes me and something that interests me and something that I'd like to start sharing more with the with the city at large. You share a lot of uh, ideas with the uh, especially the chefs that I have known in my life 
and uh, they uh, get very deep into this. Very, uh, very a lot of uh, really strong uh, differences from this to that. And uh, in fact, uh, we uh, just had a bunch of them on the show. And it was uh, amazing what uh, some of these chefs uh, have to go through to get it to the level of quality that they are doing with their, with their uh, breads. I'll bet you run into more than your share of that, huh? Yeah, I mean, Tom, just the, the fact of, of owning two 2,500-pound flour mills in Hollygrove is something that anybody, I know we're on AM radio, so I'm going to watch my language, but it's just uh, it's not something I ever thought would be smart and it's still something that I question every day in terms of the convenience because it would be so much easier if we could just shut our mouths and pick up the phone and order our ingredients from a middleman just like everyone else does but I know that I I as the owner could never go to bed at night with a good conscience doing that and I know that the 15 people that work at this bakery also would would not be here if that was how we operated so we we do go literally to the lengths of the country to find the best things that we possibly can. And I think the other thing, too, that sometimes gets lost on people is, is the volume at which we're doing it. So we're not talking about being a little neighborhood bakery that, that makes, you know, a few loaves of cinnamon raisin bread every day and a few morning buns. But on an average week, we're making eight to 9,000 loaves of bread and delivering to about 130 customers throughout New Orleans and on the North Shore as well, too. So what we're talking about on our scale is, is not just, about making a splash in the supply chain and making a splash with, with our ethics and with our standards, but it's going a bit deeper than that in terms of the volume that we're achieving. And, of course, it's not the same volume as Wonder Bread or Evangeline or whatever else it may be, but it's I like to think that... the same quality either. Yeah, how it's, about, all, it's um, all relative. Of course, it's how about, all relative. Uh, how, about, so. how about King Cake? Does that figure into your uh, work at all uh, no, at we, this time we, of year? No, we're we're kind of sticking sticking to our guns with the bread, and our, we're doing pasta now as well too. But in terms of the king cake and croissants and all the other laminated doughs like a brioche, it's that's that's something that takes a lot of attention and a lot of equipment. And um, if if people haven't been able to tell for the past seven years that we've been open, we would like to focus on doing what we do and doing what we want to be doing. And I just feel like if we got away from our core our core values and our core menu with doing things that maybe aren't so close to home, it would distract and maybe dilute from the bigger mm. picture. So hopefully hopefully down the line in a limited kind of retail setting, we'd like to start doing things like that. But in terms of what we're passionate about and what we love to do, we've, uh, for the most part, we've had the same menu for seven years. And, and if I'm going to call you again in seven years from now, I, I hope that menu hasn't changed either. And I think that's, that's where we find either. the studio. Because what you're doing is very special, and uh, and and don't uh, don't don't fix it. It's great. <laughs> if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Let's take a break. We're yeah, talking let's take a break. Grace and Gill. Uh, I have one more thing I want to ask you. Uh, uh, to, um, you can stay with and, us for another ten minutes or so, huh? Yeah, let's hope so. Yeah, but there's a, um, uh, there's a there's a, a major variance in the textures and a few other things of the. Uh, breads that I use often, but I don't understand it enough that I have ever been able uh, to be comfortably uh, putting together and pulling apart and all that. You obviously seem to have this down. So uh, when we come back, I'd like to ask you about the differences between this French bread and that French bread. Uh, but in between then and now, uh, 
I have pleas for you uh, this. Uh, this is the Food Show on 105.3 FM HD2. And uh, with us today, Grayson is here. Grayson Gill. Grayson Gill. Is that right? Do I have that right? Yes. I forgot to ask you on the way in, and there we go. Grayson? Um, it's all, all right. Good. That's uh, nice to know. Uh, I... I understand that this isn't along the lines of the kind of bread that you do, but French bread in New Orleans is really distinctive, not between themselves and all the other kinds that you have in your bakery, but between that kind of bread and any other part of New Orleans and any other part of any other part in uh, round town. Uh, Do you uh, get involved with any of that at all? With French bread? French bread, yeah. Uh, we are we are working on on doing something, hopefully for the spring, something along yeah. along the lines of a of a French bread po'boy loaf. Um, but at the mm-hmm. moment, no, we're not we're not doing anything like that at the moment. Well, you have the baguette, which is technically French bread. I mean, it's um, you have the the chewy chewy, absolutely fabulous uh, baguette that that I love to get around town. Um, you're from are you from here because it sounded to me earlier in the conversation that you mentioned being from here but you you are you no i, I i've been in new orleans for 11 years but i, okay. I grew up okay. uh, grew up until the age of 17 in los angeles okay uh, i cuz because everything else about you indicates that you're not from new orleans but when you when you said that earlier i was thinking he couldn't really be from here okay so you're from los angeles all right and so how did you wind up here i had a a best friend in high school whose mom is from chalmette and uh he and i moved here together after high school and uh i haven't haven't left (laughs) okay so i as i said am am absolutely crazy about your bread what is it in your opinion that makes it so special and how did you develop the recipe for your basic baguette it is i mean it is a baguette isn't it yeah that's uh okay. that's one of the one of the the biggest breads that we do um and i i'd say that unlike unlike an omelet or maybe unlike again uh let's say like a meatloaf uh, bread isn't so much of a recipe as more of a formula, so it's something that you need to follow when you're making it on a much stricter basis than it would be if you were making something like a meatloaf or an omelet. So although there are variations, you know, between bakeries, it's it's really boiling down, I think, not only to the baker but also to the ingredients. And that goes back to what I said earlier. So when when people ask us what makes our bread ours or what makes it different, what makes it worse, what makes it better, is it, it, it has to be the ingredients because there's nothing nothing special about the yeast. There's nothing special about the sourdough. There's nothing special about the water. Um, it's it's really the ingredients that are going into that loaf of bread. So the main ingredient again in any loaf of bread is that flour. And we we know exactly where all of our flour comes from, and and in many cases we're we're actually making the flour ourselves. And on top of that, we know the farmers that are growing that wheat. So, I think that intimacy with our supply chain, and it's not just our our flour, but we buy our olive oil from a single family farm in Texas that that, that grows one variety of olive that we that we use for our doughs. And then the same olive thing with o- our olive oil from Texas. Now that's a new one on me. 
Yeah, it's a beautiful olive oil from Texas. It's an, the, the variety is called Arbicania, and it's a small family farm outside of San Antonio, and we buy 55-gallon um, drums of it, and we probably go through about five or six of those drums a year, and we use that, that olive oil in our dough. We, uh, we buy organic Louisiana pecans from Brobridge. We get our salt from Avery Island where they make Tabasco sauce. And the list goes on to the to our eggs and to our figs and to everything else we use here in the bakery. Uh, we we either know or have a relationship with the people that are that are making those ingredients. So again, um, the equipment doesn't matter, the location doesn't matter, the, the the temperature of the air and the yeast in the air. None of that stuff matters so much as, in my opinion, what's going into that loaf of bread. And I. I teach a lot of classes at the bakery, and, and one of the very first things I, I tell people is that I have a belief that, that food, especially bread, is just like algebra, and you, you have to think of a loaf of bread as an equation. So if you're not putting great stuff in that stuff to, to, to begin with, there's no way that it's going to be a balanced equation once you bake it, once you make that dish. So it's really critical for us to really strip down and deconstruct a loaf of bread and use the best and the freshest and the most pure ingredients, in this case flour that's been milled within a few days of making it into bread in order to make that delicious, that healthy, and that beautiful loaf of bread. Breads I, uh, bread bakers that I know uh, often talk about the importance of, uh, uh, what's the word I, I need to use here, uh, where you're letting it... Uh, uh, rising. Rising, yeah. Uh-huh. What uh, what goes into that, or is that not as critical an issue as uh, is it being, as it has been made out for it to be? Yeah, so bread is just fermented. You know, it's a fermented food, just like um, I guess like sauerkraut or kimchi, or just like wine. And the two most critical components to any fermented food are going to be time and temperature. So the best winemakers and the best brewers and the best people in Korea that make kimchi are not necessarily good at what they do. They're just very disciplined people that know how to control time and temperature. So that's the critical component to fermentation. And obviously we have our jobs cut out for us in New Orleans because time is time is a pretty equal playing field, but definitely temperature is something that messes with us a lot, especially on a, a day like Wildly varying here. Yeah, I mean, it's probably like a real feel of like 82 degrees today, and then I, I looked at the forecast, and it's going to be a low of 40 on, on Friday. So, again, it's just it's a matter of controlling the time and temperature in order to get a consistent loaf of bread. Um, and Which again, is a technique, but, and, that, and that, exactly. that changes from person technique. to person. So don't underestimate or don't undersell the fact that you are obviously incredibly skilled with balancing all of those variables, you know? And I think um, okay, how far-reaching is your is your ingredient network? It's all over, isn't it? Yeah, I uh, if if you guys want to do a show about Louisiana wheat, I'm happy to happy to do that. But to keep it concise for today, we uh, we don't really grow a lot of wheat in Louisiana or the area. Uh, I'm working with some people to change that. So for the most part, a lot of our ingredients are regional. So we we work with a we have a great relationship with a farmer in Oklahoma where we get. Uh, about 100,000 pounds of wheat from him per year. And then we have another farmer out in Kansas that we work very closely with. And then everything else that we use is, is pr- quite regional. So we use a rye from North Carolina. 
We're uh, milling an heirloom corn from South Alabama, a little bit beneath Mobile, that's been grown by the same family since 1875, and we mill that corn for grits. What's the name of that family? Corn meal. It's the Higginbotham family. Okay. Higginbotham. I, I love the name. I've heard of I've yeah. heard of some some special special corn in Alabama, but that's not the one. Um, okay, so Grayson. Um, at night when you're about to fall asleep and you have your fantasies, what's your fantasy for the future for Bellegarde? Where do you see it going? What's your, what's your, like I said, fantasy, your outer limit? Or do you think that uh, far? Really, I mean, do, you have, do you have time to even think that far ahead? I do, but I like to focus on where we're at today, and I, I think the critical thing for us is, is the stuff that we were speaking about today. So more education, I think, for not just for chefs and bakers, but for the community about about how our food is grown and, and who grows it. And I, I think some more transparency and traceability in our supply chains are something that really kind of stimulate us here at the bakery. But most critically, just having more people come to the bakery to see who we are and to see what we do. So we're going to be doing a pizza night in the next few uh, few months, uh, about a month ago, we started making fresh pasta here at the bakery. So all the pasta is made no with, kidding. with flour really? that we mill in-house. And we have a full-time pasta maker that makes pasta 40 hours a week. And everything is just beautiful and incredible, uh, flavorful and incredibly unique. I don't know of anyone in the country making fresh pasta with flour that they milled 10 feet away and 10 minutes ago. So... His pastas are incredible. He's doing monthly specials, so he has a, a soft wheat egg noodle that he's doing for this month, which is delicious with everything from a coconut curry to just your plain bolognese, but uh, delicious, delicious specialty pastas. And then all of his normal pastas that he's doing are great, too. And then we also hope to to get a pizza night off the ground um, in the coming months as well, too. So I, I think... To answer the question for us is just sharing, again, who we are and what we do with, with the community and having people come to the bakery, whether that's for a class, whether that's for a coffee, or whether that's for a baguette. Yeah. But, again, just encouraging people to come through to see us and to see what we do and how we work. We're uh, not ready to throw you out yet or escort you out. But, well, I think uh, he can't stay much longer. Huh? He said the, the 3.30, right? So we're, yes. I'll be, I'm, I'm okay. Don't worry about it. Uh, anyway, uh, I was going to dig into this a little bit more. Uh, the uh, well, let me let me just since I already stopped, let's uh, stop. Uh, Marianne, you have something? No, I wanted to ask you. You the the bakery closes at like bakery times, right? I mean, it's not open all evening, is it? So the the retail bakery, our new look, we we moved six months ago, and we're at 8300 Apple Street, um, in between. Uh, we're we're behind Rock and Bowl for the most part uh, on Clayboard and Carrollton, and we're It's a very open. cool building in a in a very cool neighborhood. Yeah, it's a beautiful old Knights at Columbus Hall um, that was renovated, and it's a beautiful beautiful building that has our two flour mills, our two ovens. So we do all of our production here, and we're open here Tuesday through Saturday from eight to three. And then okay. the the caveat is that we're, we bake on Sundays, but we don't sell the bread at the bakery on Sundays. So you can find the bread on Sundays, whether you're in the Ninth Ward or in the Seventh Ward or whether you're uptown. All of our partners that sell our bread um, have the bread available. So if you want to come directly to the bakery, you're going to get unique things that we only sell at the bakery. So we have sliced breads here. All of our pastas are here. We have uh, a new a new line of hand pies, so we're making a... Hand pies? Is this Hubig's by any chance? 
Not by no, not not not. Oh, not that's too We're, bad. Well, you have thousands bit, of people. A little bit more savory, and I know everyone's ready yeah. for them to come back. But we're doing we're doing some savory hand pies here. We have a a delicious heirloom cornmeal and orange blossom water shortbread with some heirloom sesame seeds on top. Uh, we have chocolate chip cookies made with our freshly milled flour. Um, all of our heirloom grits and all of our other stone milled flours that we mill in house are available for sale. So. It's a great building, as Marianne said, for folks to come and watch production and, and look at all the equipment. And it's it's nothing but windows, so we're encouraging uh-huh. uh, through the architecture that we want people to see who we are and what we do. And um, yeah, as I said, if, if those hours don't 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 flush with you, then um, anything after three o'clock, you can of course go to Rouse's or Whole Foods or Martin's or Robert's or St. James Cheese to to grab a loaf of our bread after work. But the bakery at, at 8300 Apple Street is open from 8 to 3, Tuesday through Saturday. And and there are little tables there that you can eat something there, right, aren't there? Yeah, we have a high a high bar. Um, yeah. okay, so you I can so. hang out at the bar. And then I just um, I just sanded and stained a 9.5-foot-long Cypress Church pew. So that's that's out front for folks to sit on. We're going to put that in the ground this weekend. So if people want to have a cup of coffee, we we work with a great coffee company that's based out of Algiers called Congregation Coffee, and they custom roast um, two two special varieties of coffee for us. So we have that plain old, just good two dollar cup of drip coffee. No no latte, no low fat milk, no mm-hmm. cappuccino, just a cup of coffee, so people can have a have a few slices of bread or have a hand pie or a cookie and just hang out and watch us and then go about their day. Okay, so you can get the coffee on site there as well. Yes. We have okay. the beans and we have the we have the have it by the cup too. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I love the chew of your bread. I I Tom says it's his he his teeth are not up for it, but but mine are and I love it. I absolutely Well, we need love to get him a new pair of teeth for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> is, is this bread, is it the kind that, uh, I remember that Broussard's Very was, crusty. Was, uh, Broussard's was, was uh, serving it there. Epi breads, yes. And it, and it was very firm. It is uh, To the point where I... You I, complain so, about it constantly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I complain about everything all the time anyway. So, uh, but uh, it looks like uh, a, a, a separate little kind of... Um, an epi bread. An epi bread, one kind of bread yeah. on top of another kind of bread. Interesting. Yeah, so the the epi is French for a wheat stock. So that that loaf of bread um, that we make, the epi, we sell at retail um, at supermarkets and at wine shops, and we also sell it to some great restaurants, including La Petite Grocery, Restaurant August, and Justine. They all get the yeah. epi bread, and they use that as a table service uh, bread. So it's meant to resemble. A stock of wheat, so it has all yeah, those offset, offset little yeah. pistolets on it. Yeah. I will tell you, when I am in a restaurant and they present a bread basket with Belgard bread, uh, their stock goes way up right away. Oh, yeah. I, I think it's critical for, for places like, as I mentioned, Justine, La Petite Grocery, Restaurant August, and Café des Gars. Those, those, those chefs and those owners... I think they they trust us um, more than anyone else because the very first thing that you're eating in that restaurant is our bread. And anyone else that's not taking the time as a chef or as a restaurant owner to to know where their bread's coming from or to put it 
in the hands of experts, I would I would I would I would dare to say that they don't respect the customer enough. So someone that thinks they can make, you know, bread in the house or thinks that they're gonna mm-hmm. do it on the cheap or whatever it may be, I, I think that's a big statement that they're making to their customers that's saying we don't we don't have that utmost respect for, for the hospitality of what we do to, to sit you down in front of food that is not our own but that we know is the highest quality that we can find and I, I have a lot of respect and humility for the chefs and for the owners of La Petite Grocery and Justine and Cafe de la Dega and the restaurant August for entrusting us with such a such a huge task. It's like taking care of someone's kid because it's as Marianne said, that's the first impression is that is that basket of bread. And um I think it's critical that chefs and owners take the time to support artisans and craftspeople that are that are taking the time to do a great job with what they do and, and if, if those are those are bakers included. I think they they need to go out of their way to support people that are doing good work, and it's a big sounds like their customers too. Excuse me. So uh, it sounds to me a lot like what Chef Andrea would like to use. I mean, he he has uh, he makes a, makes a fir- more firm uh, uh, piece of bread, but uh, uh, it's but he gets into that a lot. Uh, and I think about it myself and uh, that business about. Mind not being able to eat be, eat it because it was a little too stiff for me. I do have a little problem with that. It doesn't stop me from eating your bread. But uh, what is going on there that maybe I can fix myself? It's, it's, I think it's if you just, maybe warm it up, uh, wouldn't I wouldn't toast it. But if you if you can uh-huh. pop it in a toaster oven that's in a you know kind of 200 degrees and just get it warm to the touch, that'll that'll mm-hmm. moisten it. Or you even can put it in the microwave for a second. And that'll yeah. that'll take some of the crust off. Oh, that's um, a good idea. At it's the bakery a, it's a really here, we, intense crust, though. That's what I love about it. It's 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 got yeah. a major crust going, and and um, and then when you put it in a toaster oven and and you toast the inside, the crumb, I guess, and you yes. melt butter on it, it's it's a it's a heavenly experience. I have to say. Yeah. Okay. It's now, conversely. spiritual. It is. It is. And, okay. So, and as so, as Tom gets older too, just remember that we have sliced bread available at the bakery, <laughs> so we have that. Like, and yeah. It's, well, it's that's old, about old, how bad old, it is too. Okay. Too. Now, now I've Dr. given you a lot of compliments. I'm I'm going to say something that's not going to make you happy. I don't like pasta that is whole wheat. Okay. Nothing is going to make me like whole wheat pasta. But you haven't oh. come by to get some yet. No, I have. I'm sorry to tell you, but oh, you I have? had it. At, I had it at Thalia, and I just, I, I can't. I, and I said to myself, if Belgard cannot make me like whole wheat pasta, there is no hope for me. So Thalia is an incredible restaurant, and they're they're buying our flour to make their own pasta. Oh, okay. So I'd, okay, so I'd. I'd, I'd, I'd I'd ask that you come to the bakery and try right. try our pasta. Okay. All right. Yeah. Now you've thrown I, you've thrown it down. I'm gonna come and do it. I'm I think I think it. the critical thing too to to kind of just to use you know the power of language so to speak is that it's not so much that what they're making and what we're making is whole wheat. It's a, it's made with freshly milled flour, and I think it's really important to. If you really just take a bird's eye view of any Italian restaurant, whether you're in New Orleans or whether you're in Brooklyn or whether you're in San Francisco, we're we're dousing our pasta in nothing but fat and salt and sauce. And you really want to ask yourself why. What are we hiding when we're serving a pasta that's just drowning in red sauce 
and it's full of meat and it's full of everything else. What are we what are we hiding? Why can't the noodles themselves have integrity and why can't the noodles themselves have some sort of flavor? And that's the whole argument that Chef Kristen is making at Thali and that we're making here at the bakery with our pasta. So it's that the, the, the noodles and the pasta itself should not just become a napkin for all the other stuff that you want to put on top of it, but that it should also become a member of the symphony. It can play its own instrument, and I think that's a really <laughs> critical component, not just to our bread, but also to the pastas, to say that the baker and the pasta and the pizza dough and all these other things that are made with bread or with flour, these are also ingredients, and these are also components in a dish. They're not just something that you need to dump a bunch of salt, fat, and sweet on top of. So I would just ask that you kind of treat it with that nuance. salt, fat? Salt and fat. (laughs) Nothing nothing at all, but it's like putting a mascara on a beautiful woman and and a bunch of cheap lipstick. I'm I'm coming to get one of your pastas. Now, which one... Which one should I get? What is my best chance? The, Malf, the Malfadine. Okay. All right. It looks like a, it's like a skinny pepper. I know what it is. I know what it is. Okay. I'm going to come. I'm going to come and get it. And, and that's going to be the, the real litmus taste. If there's any hope, or litmus test, if there's any hope for me and pasta that isn't white, I'm, I'm right. going we'll to. I'm gonna, we'll see what we can do. All right. I'm going to do it. Okay. Thank you, Grayson. Yeah, thanks a lot. I look forward to having you on our show again. It uh, sounds like there's plenty of stuff in the back of your brain that is coming forth. Well, when thank you both very much. Starting? When's your pizza night starting? Yeah, the good question. Uh, we're, 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 we're shooting hopefully for April, so just stay tuned, and we're going to let everyone know, but we're, we're hoping for April. Okay. All right. I'm well, thanks, thanks for spending so much time with us, and uh, it's, uh, you know, it tells you all kinds of things you don't uh, know goes into something as simple as you think it is, is, uh, is bread. Uh, Grayson, how often do you get back to Los Angeles? Uh, maybe, maybe once a year, but not quite that frequently. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say, the first place I ever tried Epi Breads was at Bottega Louie, my favorite restaurant in the whole wide world. Do you know it? Uh, what, what's it called? It's called Louie, Bottega Louie, Louis okay. on uh, 7th and Grand downtown. Okay. And uh, I was just wondering, just uh, curious to see what you thought of their pizza dough and their, and their Epi Breads. Okay, I'll definitely, uh, next time I'm down there, I'll check it out. I got I got the pen right here, so I'm writing it down. Okay. <laughs> Thank well, you. Well, again, I tell you, and, uh, and thanks a lot for stopping in, and we'll be talking to you in the future, I have no doubt. Absolutely. Please. Thank you all very Thank much. You. Thank you. Okay, bye. See ya. It's the Food Show. This is Tom Fitzmorris. Marianne is here. Anybody else we need to know? Nope. Uh, Doug, now that we're Doug? in between breaks, you want to just go to 50? I guess, I guess we're just going to go. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes, All right. If you would like to chat with us about bread or anything else, give us a call. 260-6368 is the number. Uh, I am absolutely nutty about that bread. Nutty about it. And um, I just I can't think of another bread anywhere that I've ever had that I'd rather eat than a crunchy piece of Bellegarde. Of wow. the baguette. That's making a big statement. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I love I love crusty 
European breads, and they are right up there. But still, I think I would put uh, I would put a slice of Belgard bread against absolutely anything I've ever had in terms of bread. Hmm. Well, that's a big statement. Well, yes, I remember the first time I had it. It was um, it was, was it, it was white. And his bread, I wouldn't consider white. It's it's like a, it's that natural thing, you know. Um, but and I don't even know if he does a white bread. But the first time I ever had it was at Chateau du Lac, and Paige Saloon introduced me to it. And she said, "Have you ever had this bread? It's Belgard, and I had never heard of it. And it was probably I don't know." maybe five or six years ago. And I don't know when he came out with his baguette that I'm so nuts about, but it's the, I don't even know if he still, like I said, does the white loaf of anything, but, um, oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I can't imagine him. Maybe that's why I don't see any, any, white breads around because it doesn't seem like something he would do to bleach flour. But it was really great. It had that real chewy consistency to it, with which I think is a trademark of his breads and which is a very desirable quality to me, not so much to you, but, but very much so to me. And I do really like it with fat and salt and other flavorings. I think that I had a... Um, I had a, a, a sort of a grill party uh, with someone a couple of years ago, and we did some uh, shrimp with garlic and butter. Oh, how could that not be bad? Parsley. I mean, how could that be? Crushed red pepper flakes, and the the juices from the shrimp making a sauce, and just slurping Belgard <laughs> bread with that stuff uh -huh. was just irresistible. I mean, I thinking about it right now, it can be really, really scrumptious. It was have, doing it that way. Tom made it actually soft enough for you. Really, you could have had no <laughs> no chisel. <coughs> no, you could have had some too for sure. Anyway, two six zero six three six eight is the number. If you would like to chat with us, we are going to be talking about other things now. Uh, but yeah. if you if you are familiar with this product, Belgard, and would like to talk about that, we'll certainly certainly mm -hmm. take some calls. I got to get over there and get some pasta because. Um, yeah, I want to see that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have said this to him, but I was not at all impressed with the pasta, and we had one or two bites. Yeah, I, of uh, it, and I didn't care for it. Not at one all. of my favorite things. Not at all. Yeah. And when I hear people who who just gush about how whole wheat pasta is just as good as white pasta. I go, yeah, 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 sure. Anyway, we'll be back. You're Stay listening tuned. to WWL 105.3 FM HD2. And here we are with a little more of the program, uh, another quarter of it. Uh, then we'll have half dollars later, pennies following that. Wait a minute. That's not, that's not the way that works. We talk about food here, restaurants, cooking, wine, everything that's delicious if you can't find delicious, keep looking. You'll find some not so delicious or maybe uh, more than you ever thought would be there someday somehow. Well, there it is. 
why would we want to find do. something not so delicious? You want to find something not? No. Why would we want to find something not so delicious? Oh, I maybe to to beat their, themselves up so they can uh, feel like they're uh, into self-flagellation. Something, something like that. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, I don't know why that. Well, actually, I do know because you know you ever do something really stupid. Well, not as often uh, uh, as you do. <laughs> and I take credit for that. Uh, I did something incredibly stupid today, and um, we're not gonna huh? we're not gonna mention that. Oh no, no, not Thank at all. Thank you. <clears throat> anyway, uh, but uh, you know it happens to everybody now and then. Two six zero six three six n six eight two. I'll get this done right. Two six zero six three six eight. But up up but up up up. Let's see, what do you have uh, coming up? Big uh, week this weekend. Um, it's your birthday. My birthday is coming Countdown up. Countdown to the birthday. Broussards is having its birthday, I think, this week. I'm pretty sure. Well, they're is. having it all year. It's their 100th <clears throat> anniversary year. You know what else I found out? No, tell this me. This is Drago's 51st year. I didn't realize Drago's. they were that old. Uh, yeah, they uh, they should have made a much bigger deal out of that than they than they did. Well, they when they first started, they were not as well known as they are now, and they uh, they were not doing the the, the grilled oysters for one thing, mm-hmm. and uh, they were also doing all these Croatian dishes, which mm-hmm. were kind of funny for some people, uh, a few people, very few, uh, actually. And uh, they were out there in Metairie, and it was an area of town that was growing rather quickly, so they were part of that, too. And uh, so everything just came together for Drago's and his family, actually his uh, Drago himself. And uh, Anyway, someone suggested that we yeah. do a dinner, a celebratory, like, eat club there. Yeah. Someone uh-huh. pitched that to them. I know. It's been a long time since but we've done it. To Drago's? Eat. Yeah. Drago's does a great eat club. Oh, dinner. gosh. That's do for we? sure. It's it, incredibly it's, generous. It, the amount of food <laughs> is beyond it belief. It absolutely is. <laughs> but we should we should think about doing that for sure. Um, their their actual anniversary is in February, so um, it's probably too late to do it on the anniversary, but... I don't know. It's Drago's. We might be able to get a lot of people yeah. together that quickly. Doug, do, oh, do we have someone on the phone? No. Okay. No. no. All right. Uh, this is the um, the birthday of Charles Lindbergh, who inspired a sandwich called the Lone Eagle. I've never had that. What is it? The Lone Eagle. Uh, yeah, it used to be, and maybe even still, you could get this at the uh, the restaurant that's on uh, Earhart Boulevard at Carrollton Avenue, and uh, oh, what's the? It starts with a P. Uh-huh. You know, no. and Earhart and Carrollton is the old college. Inn. The old college inn. That's mm-hmm. that's exactly what I was looking for. Uh huh. And uh, what uh, happened there? So you, do they still have it? Uh huh. Do you remember oh, I, the difference so. in that restaurant then and now? I mean, do you can you picture the old the old college inn? Uh huh. And how different it looks now. And they were—they've uh, gotten kind of ambitious at times. Every now no, and then. No, it's—it's definitely gone way, way upscale from what it was. I, there's no question. I mean, that. to call it Yield College Inn almost seems—I um, yeah. don't know—not—not not appropriate. But uh, I remember what was the what was the cute little man, the little old man who oh, ran I, it. I know who you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, was it Emil? Was that his name, Emil? I—I uh, I think so. He was. Uh, if it's the guy I'm thinking of, he uh, was for a long time the uh, 
the he was person. part of the family, wasn't he? Uh, very much so. And, yeah. and also he was uh, tied in with Belgium. And uh, he made a lot of trips to Belgium. Really? Yeah, yeah. But pretty interesting guy. That was I, really I, cute. He was really interesting. What is his name? Does anyone remember? Uh, reminiscing mm, about the old, ye old college inn. I'm not going to be able to help you with that. But I know, I'll bet you somebody. I'm sure somebody else Somebody out there. is going to know the answer but, to that. But I have to say, I much prefer the new Yield College Inn mm-hmm. before Yield College Inn. Uh, I, I definitely think the improvements have been very much an improvement. Um, but I do, I, I want to say he had a long last name, Emil. Uh-huh, something who, like that. Who remembers Emil? Yeah, somebody, and somebody knows does. his story because I would remember it if I heard it, but I do not, I, I, I only talked to him a few times, but I thought he was a very nice little man. And um, the, I think that, that the new Yield College Inn, Came about after Katrina, right? So the current Yield College mm-hmm. Inn is actually about 15 years old. Is that right? Uh, that sounds about right, except that it was I mean, it actually in, moved, didn't it? It got wiped out yeah, by Katrina. Yeah. So that's and a so, new building. Yeah, and yeah, Okay. Yeah. Totally right. new. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as a matter of fact, there's really the only thing that even resembles the, the the only resemblance between Yield College Inn and the f- former Yield College Inn is the name Yield College Inn yeah. <laughs> and the fact that it's a restaurant. They do have a couple of things on the menu that are similar, like the hamburger steak, which is really good. But you, you, uh, you all this started when you were when we were talking about the. Uh, Lone Eagle, which the, we're going to go back to. We, have to. we can't really go back to it now because we're about to go to the top of the That's hour true. news. So we'll do the top of the hour news. We'll come back and talk about all these things, 260-6368. And you're listening to WWL 105.3 FM HD2. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.